0: This episode is brought to you by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen, access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. everybody, and welcome to Untether.tv. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. Today, today, it's a great day for you. A great day for everybody who looks to Untether.tv as a way to understand what is going on in the location-based marketing, location ads, contextual ads world. Of course you come here for that information. And today we've got some deep, uh, a real deep dive into something called the Location Score. And this is something that is put out by ThinkNear. It is a TeleNav company. And we have with us right now Lauren Hilberg, who is the president and GM of Think Near, live from their New York office. Because it's not as sunny as it should be, Lauren, because if it was L.A., as we talked about, it would need to be sunny. Yes.
1: Sorry about the uh, lack of sunshine, but uh, the New York office, we just opened up a new, York, new uh, f- location here in New York, and it's, uh, it's a really nice spot, got a lot of room for people, and so uh, I'm uh, making the rounds, seeing everybody, but a uh, little chilly here in New York.
0: I don't have any, now you, know, you understand how the rest of us live, right?
1: <laughs> yes, I do, indeed.
0: <laughs> well, up here, come on, when are you opening up the Canadian office, Lauren? That's the next question. You should come up to Ottawa, well, coldest nation's capital on the planet. Come on. Well, uh, I'll be looking into that soon, I'm sure, sure, soon. With the Canadian dollar the way that it is, Lauren, uh, you know, you'd get a 20% bonus just for coming up here. We're cheap! We're cheap! We're cheap! Ah, oh, okay. I hadn't even thought of uh, it that way. Well, unfortunately, that's that's why most of us are staying away from the U.S. Well, look, uh, Lauren is uh, brand new in this role. Well, I would say not not brand new, but 120 days into this role, uh, and he took over for Ellie Portnora, who has been on the show many times before, doing this exact same thing. And uh, I just thought it would be really good to introduce everybody who uh, knows of Think Near. Think partly because of the sponsorship. i got to say right up front, I thank these guys for sponsoring on TV. Right from the bottom of my heart, uh, it, it fills me with great warmth and fills my kids' food uh, mouth, mouths with food. Um, but I thought it'd be great to get, uh, to, to get Lauren on to talk about the transition and, and what he was doing before he stepped into this role at uh, Thinknear. So why don't we start there? I think people know what Thinknear is. So I'm very interested about wh- how you got into this role, where you come from, Lauren?
1: Yeah, so I have been at TeleNav for uh, over seven, not quite seven years now and uh, actually I joined TeleNav as the company's general counsel. My background is as a lawyer Uh, so I'm in a uniquely different role today Um, but I've had different roles through my career but a lawyer is sort of the primary place where I started Uh, and about three years ago I started uh, managing our mobile business particularly our client business with uh, carriers. And so I started getting into the business side of TeleNav and uh, was doing a lot of different work around our partnerships with at and and Sprint and things like that. And as that started evolving, um, we got more interested in advertising. So we did the acquisition of Thinknear. And when we did that acquisition, um, one of the things that we decided was to try to keep the, the business a little bit separate from TeleNav because it had a very separate customer set. And in the context of that. We let Ellie continue to run the business, and you know he did a great job for us. And I was sort of acting as his uh, corporate sponsor in the sense of when he needed help back at TeleNav and there were things that needed to be managed between the two businesses, I was his, in, his link there. And in some sense also the link of the ads business back into TeleNav in terms of what are they doing, why are they doing it, what's happening next. And so I kind of had to learn both sides of the equation in terms of, I had to know enough about Thinknear to be able to talk about it to people at Telenav, but I spent a lot of time learning about what we were doing from a business perspective from Ellie. Uh, and then when he decided to move on to his next big thing, um, you know, the question came up, well, gee, who should Telenav have run this new Thinknear thing that we've gotten for a while? And uh, I was the guy. And so, uh, and I was really happy to be the guy because uh, it's, a, it's a business that was very interesting to me as I got engaged in it. And over time, it's, uh, you know, just continued to become more interesting. But at the same time, I didn't know everything there was to know about the advertising business by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, So a bit of the deep, a bit bit thrown into the deep end in some of these areas and uh, really trying to catch up on a few things.
0: I, I love this because this might be the first time where I've had a company that has transitioned leadership. And by that, I mean, like, you know, it's a successful, growing concern. The other kind of transitions that I've seen are entrepreneurs who have left the company or the company has failed and they've gone on to start a second company. Right. So this is really the first this is uh, we could get a good glimpse in here. And I love the fact that you're a lawyer, so you're not going to say the things that will get you in trouble quite traditionally that people would do. Right. That you can, you, you know what to say and what not to say. So I'm not even going to coach you on that. Um so you can you, you can decide what, what, what you want to answer or not. Um, one of those questions, though, that always I always wondered was when a company like TeleNav buys a company like Thinknear, and, and you've got this kind of band of renegade uh, young entrepreneurs who are changing the world at Thinknear. Um, yes. Yes. What does what does TeleNav think of Thinknear? You, you know, when you're in there trying to explain what Thinknear is doing, uh, do do they get it? Uh, is there concern? Uh, do they think like Think Near is that that weird you know cousin that they that they just want to shun away? Like what's the con- what's the con- no
1: no you con- know it, I think um, maybe Telenav is a little bit unique, but I would say it's not that unique as compared to most Silicon Valley companies. And so Telenav's founder HP Jen was an entrepreneur. He started Telenav and he grew it from nothing, a band of renegades, as you say, uh, who was uh, hell bent on uh, delivering. Uh, navigation experiences on cell phones that um when he started had no business being thought of as potential gps devices and so uh when we look at other companies that we acquire and this is really our second significant acquisition um or it was our first significant acquisition one of two that the companies made um we kind of know what we're getting into in terms of the entrepreneurial spirit what's made them successful and in fact one of our sort of primary um, uh, drivers in terms of how we think about integrating the businesses and working together is to make sure that we don't make a mistake and kind of crush that spirit, right? Because it's that spirit, that dynamism that has caused them to be successful. That's what you really wanted to buy. And, you know, you can't put it in a bottle, unfortunately, but you do want to try to nurture it and and, and give it the opportunity to grow. So you really think about it that way. Now, occasionally there are those t- circumstances where you're like, you did what? or Why do you want to do that? Um, You know, but it's kind of true in every business. And so uh, you have those conversations. And if if you've done it right, you have a nice open door both ways so everybody can communicate. And it can be a really successful partnership that way. And I think, you know, for us, certainly the ThinkNear acquisition, we believe, has been very successful in part because we did have that kind of open... Uh, conversation with Ellie about the things that we were trying to accomplish, and work closely with them. If he needed more money, we put more money to work, and you know, try to build the business in a way that it can grow and scale and be successful. And and we all had the same objective, which was to make a make it a really big business because we think the opportunities really were well, big.
0: I, what was it about ThinkNear? Because you were on the acquiring team, right? uh, On on talent. So, was there anything that you remember of that time that that really resonated with? You know, it was ThinkNear that was the company that you guys needed to buy.
1: Um, You know, there were two things that really jumped out at us. The first thing was that uh, our business at that point we wanted to become experienced and knowledgeable about advertising because we believe over time, sort of all mobile companies need to have that capability as a company to be successful. So our scout product lives on advertising. Uh, other initiatives that we have going on internally will be driven by advertising. And so having internal expertise around advertising is very important. And uh, Thinknear gave us the opportunity to create an advertising business, but not be constrained by talent Ad's current scale. And so the opportunity to build something, learn a lot about advertising, and at the same time, not be constrained. So, so that was kind of part one was that aspect of it. And part two, and I think probably important was um, TeleNav's always been all about location, starting with GPS, mapping technology, all of that stuff. The guys at TeleNav, that's their you know that's their bedrock. They know this stuff backwards and forwards, uh, great technology and um, the, the really great thing about the Thinknir guys is they came to the company, they came to building Thinknir and the platform they built from the perspective of trying to solve a very challenging location problem which was they were trying to buy ads that would be very centrally lo- narrow, narrowly located towards a, an establishment and when they started trying to buy inventory they realized that the inventory out there was terrible and they couldn't actually figure out which ads were supposed to be in location that they were trying to serve to. And so suddenly they went from trying to build a business that was a demand generation business to, you know what? Somebody needs to be able to figure out how to deliver location-based ads. And that was their premise. And so everything they thought about was location-oriented and how does location work in the context. And so that synergy of thought, it, it doesn't you know, it, it's a really important aspect of putting companies together. Because that's how you get people motivated to work together and the synergies start to come together because everybody has kind of a same central context that they're working out.
0: Now that you are in there, I mean, was there was there ever a doubt in your mind that this is something that you wanted to take on when, when Ellie decided that he was going to move on?
1: Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I don't think there was a doubt in my mind. I think, Let me I ask think, you, Lauren, I, was it was, the
0: first thought that you had? Like when Ellie, when Ellie moved on, did you think, yeah, you know, I could do that?
1: It was a first thought that I had in the sense of I, I thought to myself, that is really, you know, it's sort of this is a really interesting company and this is a really interesting opportunity. You know, it's a company inside of a company. And so it's a really interesting opportunity. And i had done some other business stuff in the past, as I mentioned. And this one just seemed like a, a much more interesting opportunity um, you know, I knew we were going to be able to grow the business. I knew that we had fundamentally the right technology in place so that we could continue to build on a platform we weren't going to have to start over with different stuff and so all of the things that you look at for an opportunity and say man there's there's a lot going on here that's on the positive side right and so, yeah, it kind of was my first thought and then I thought about all the reasons why you know it wasn't really what i done historically and uh, you know there's going to be a lot of travel involved and all of those different pieces of it but um, at the end of the day I you know I kind of went to HP our CEO and said "Um, you know HP I really think I want to do this and if you'll give me the chance I'll do the best I can and we'll see what we can do about making this a really big business and so that's where I'm that's where I'm going right now so how
0: have the first 120 days been
1: the first (laughs) 120 days not kidding felt like I was thrown into the deep end uh, even though I did know a little bit about the, about the business and how it worked, the sort of fundamentals of it, um, there were a lot of elements that I didn't have the subtleties around. And I have to tell you that the, um, the ad technology business combined with the advertising industry and how it works are two things that are really complex that then get added together. And unfortunately, so far, the ad tech side of it hasn't been able to simplify the other part of the business. And so a lot of things that I just didn't know before um, that I've had to learn very quickly, uh, and I still ask that question even at 120 days. I'm not exactly sure I know what that means, but I'm not doing it quite as much as I, as I did initially. And, uh, and I think for the most part, people around me are like, okay, well, he's kind of getting it. He has a chance here now. Um, but you know, the great thing about the team that, that we have is it's a really strong team and so I can rely on them for the things that you know they know they know what's going on in the industry and and they're really helping me a lot to become to get up to speed and and the things that I know that are different from what they know about scaling businesses and scale and size and things like that that I can bring to the equation so so far I think it's been a nice match I still need to learn a little bit more and um, you know and and we need to to really start to work harder on some of those scaling things that we need to do but Uh, It's a great opportunity so far, I'm really. So is
0: that what you you think you bring is is that uh, is the ability to grow the business and and, uh, you compartmentalize how things are done by, you know, that's that's what your skill is. Like you're not going to get deep and dig in into the technology, but you have a good team that manages that tech. So how do you see your role?
1: Well, it's partly, you know, it's partly being the guy who surfaces like let's pick technology as an area. I want to surface the different things that are going on there that are interesting and unique and make sure that um, we're thinking about all the different things we can do with that. Right? The great thing is we've built a great platform. The interesting opportunity on that is how many different ways can you deploy it into the, into the marketplace and give customers additional value. right? And so you know, there's a lot of opportunity just executing campaigns in a, in a way that clients are really happy with. That's a great way to make money. Um, but if you can do more than that for your clients, you know, how do you do that? So I'm trying to surface those next level types of opportunities and then also make sure that we put in sort of the foundations that you need to have to make sure things run. So you know, as you grow the business, as you have more revenue coming in, your ops team has to be able to produce the right kind of reports in a timely manner. Your finance team has to know what you're doing and how you're doing it. All of those little pieces of the puzzle. Those are areas where I have quite a bit more expertise than the team, and so those are the areas where I'm trying to concentrate more of my energy right now. And as you're growing, you really do need to make sure you're doing that ahead of the curve, not behind the curve, because you
0: can really hurt yourself if you get too far. I love ahead. it. I love it. A little maturity in, in the startup world, right? Is that is that what, what's happening here? Is the company's yeah. maturing?
1: I try not to make it. I, I try not to make it a, as much about maturity as about just sort of thinking ahead. You know, it's it really is about trying to pick off the areas where you can be really successful, and drive directly to those because uh, – and every entrepreneur will tell you this, but even at this stage, it's much more about deciding what you're not going to do than what you are going to do. Yeah. You just have to pick the things you know you can be a winner at and, and go after those really hard and make sure that you have enough structure underneath you so that you can grow.
0: So tell me, what was, what was the transition like for the team itself? So – Ellie, Ellie, the founder leaves, or one of the co-founders leaves, and, and then you come in um, without missing a beat because of the relationships that you had already uh, created while you were in there with TeleNav?
1: So I think that helped a lot. I think that the fact that they all knew me, that I had been involved in different contexts in the past, and you know certainly, in, and in fact, worked on specific work items in terms of they were trying to do X, and so I was part of the team that was helping them do X. So that kind of already built relationship is very is very valuable, um, but I'm sure there's been some adjustment. I mean, there's certainly been adjustments for me, and and we are you know sort of figuring out how best to work together on different fronts, but. Uh, you know, Ellie had built a very strong team, and you know, we're one of my real objectives is to make sure we keep the team together and continue uh, continue to work together and, and drive that forward and add to it in the right places when we need to add strength to it. And uh, so, I think you know, I'm I'm probably benefiting a lot more than maybe they are right now because I did get I did get started with a great team, uh, and I've done I've taken other roles where, you know, you show up the first day and you talk to everybody and you're like uh-oh, I've got a lot of work to do here. And, and, it's, and it's kind of frightening because you know, ideally you want to hit the ground running and you want to establish some you know, directions and some focus and things. And when you realize that you just don't have the team that can play, um, it changes what you do and it really kind of sets you back in terms of your objectives. Make, so, it, so very fortunate. It makes here.
0: those first 100 days pretty difficult, doesn't it? When you have the opposite, when your team isn't a strong team.
1: Yes, uh, you know, one of the when you go and read the first hundred day books, uh, and there are thousands of them at this point. Um, one of the things they tell you is you need to decide who's going to be in and who's going to be out in that first time frame. And fortunately for me, I showed up day one, knowing everybody that I had was more than good enough. In fact, most of them, were, you know, they're all pretty great, and so I don't have to worry about that side of the equation. That that's just a huge leg up in any in any transition context.
0: You know, I, I did that. I stepped into a company. That uh, that had a president, and uh, he was he was dismissed, Uh, and then that same day I was introduced as the CEO of the company, and uh, it was the last company that I ran called Rove, and I remember uh, walking into the boardroom, and uh, and and just it it was probably the stickiest, most uncomfortable. Feeling in that room that I've ever been in in my entire life, and 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 it was and not only was I was I in there for that day, like I was staying. It was like nine in the morning on day one, and I was in there, and they had just found out that their president had been sacked, uh, who was a wonderful man, right? He was like there were tears being shed as I was standing there because this man was just let go, and uh, and then I was uh, you know taken to my desk, basically. Here's my desk, and uh, and then left alone and you know it it is i'm sitting in my little office looking out at a whole bunch of people that their worlds have just been rocked and they look at me and they're hating me and that's where i started day one um and then yeah that's very uh, challenging four years later uh i left with them hating me even more but it was a it it was a better (laughs) company right um Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I thought they hated you the whole time. No, there was a, a point in there where we were all very, very, very close friends. But y- you have to make those decisions. It's very difficult. The transition of a company is very tough. and, and so really
1: challenging. So I was very fortunate that we had put together, you know, Elliot had really put together a great team in the two years that he was uh, building that's us. Cool. Up.
0: That's, that's great. Good for you. I just have that nightmare of my, my first day. So. <laughs> That is an i terrible. Well, so now that now that you've been in there 120 days um, and I, by the way, I'm getting therapy for, for that, so I, I should be fine uh, you know, for, for my first day. I, I'm working through it. Uh, these, these conversations yeah. help. I really appreciate it, Lauren. Um, so, but now that you've been in there for 120 days, uh, what, what are you noticing? What are you, what, what are you seeing that's like this, I don't know, this uh, burning issue that has emerged in those 120 days that maybe you didn't know before or maybe you saw, but now you really, really, really understand the challenge?
1: I think from a, from an internal perspective, what I what I've really become to under come to understand better is the uh, real nature of the sales process that we have to go through. Right, and so from a distance, you're sort of hearing we have sales reps, they're meeting customers, that you know we're tracking their meetings, we're using uh, SlideShare to, to to track their presentations, you know, all the different tools you can use to kind of take a have a glimpse at what's happening in the sales process, but when you when you're really in and on the ground floor and you're talking to sales reps every day, okay, who are you talking to? What's the pitch like? What are clients saying to you and things like that? Learning about that is is a really um, eye opening experience because you kind of have a perspective of you know, well, the clients must want what we're buying because they're buying it and the numbers are going in the right direction. And so we must be on the right path, right? And what you find out is, yeah, you are on the right path. You are selling something that a lot of people want to buy, but there are a lot of pieces to it that they really like to buy and and you're not quite there yet. And so I would say from the internal perspective, you know, sort of getting a, a handle on the things we have versus the things we want to have and then specking the time frame for that stuff. So um, you know, that's kind of from the inside perspective. I think from the outside perspective, probably the thing that's really surprised me the most is um, that you know, location. To me, location's always been central to mobile devices and what you were doing in that context, right? It, it sort of never occurred to me that people would be running digital campaigns on phones and not consider location to be an important part of what they were doing in terms of targeting and and what their efforts were. And and to me, it seemed obvious in sort of any context whether you were a quick serve restaurant that was trying to geofence something or a brand that was trying to reach a targeted audience or things like that it just seemed very obvious to me and what's really happening now i think is that many more people are understanding the levels of data that you can apply in the mobile context all of it with a foundation around location but not necessarily where you are this moment Um, and adding that extra vector to location in terms of what's happening in the industry. I think that's something that people are really starting to wake up to and it's it's really kind of changing the dynamic in terms of how people talk about what they're trying to accomplish.
0: Well, we're starting to see that because some of the big guys, uh, you know, Twitter's trying to figure out location. I, I mean, I think of Twitter as kind of the nervous system of the Internet uh, and, and uh, you know, such a natural transition into mobile, uh, maybe not the monetization piece yet, but certainly the service. But then you've got Facebook as well diving deep into into location uh, and and really taking their customers by, by the collar and bringing them forward. These these big companies getting involved in this kind of stuff. What does that do for you guys as ThinkMere?
1: Well, I think it does two things. One, it, quite frankly, it validates the space that much more intensely. We in were right. We were right. That's right. <laughs> <Yes>, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Clients are out there and suddenly uh, Facebook is trying to drag them into a location-based advertising campaign that uses all of the same kinds of things we've been talking to them about for two years. That is a very valuable thing to have happen in the marketplace because that level of validation is hard to get, right? Um, And the second thing I think it does for us is, um, you know, sort of opens up a wider playing field. So there there were, you know, clients who were more forward-thinking and now what's happening is because... It has become a much more, I don't know, global may not be exactly the right word, but but a much broader trend across the entire digital space. And because of that, you see more clients who are saying, okay, so how do we do this? How do we do that? And, you know, a lot of the challenge in terms of getting the clients and doing something with location is just getting them to understand how many different things you can do and how valuable it can be for them. You know, and so that's why, you know, we we actually – Ellie spearheaded, and I'm 100% behind the the, uh, agenda item that that, Thinknear has been pushing forward around the location score, and we're really trying to drive awareness in the industry to how location can be used, why it's important, how valuable it is for somebody who's running a campaign, and just really try to get that information into the marketplace and do some
0: really interesting things with it. Well, that location score is 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 very important. Uh, it, you know, as when when it, the first very first location score came out, uh, it was kind of like the elephant in the room. Everybody, nobody really wanted to discuss this w- about the accuracy of these hyper local and national and everything in between ads that were being displayed. And and so what we saw, uh, which was which was amazing, was that you know Ellie came out with it, ThinkNear came out with it, people glommed to it. They embraced it, and then we started to see these numbers increase, right? So accuracy was up. Everything seemed to be going on an upswing, and then you guys come out with your latest results, and it it's down. So it's down. Like, it's down. Explain what will, that that to me is. Maybe it's an adjustment. I mean, um, I'm not sure what to explain. Uh, how this how this can be explained? Do you guys have an idea? So, so we have.
1: Um you know the data tells us something some of it is more intuitive interpretation of the data because it's not as clear as we would you know ideally you have some stat that comes out like oh it's this this app is really bad at location but everybody's using it that would be easy it didn't turn out that way but what we've seen are two trends that sort of i think have um... sort of run against each other a little bit so one trend is just the available quantity of location tag inventory is just skyrocketed I mean, it's two to three times what it was a year ago and so mm-hmm. when you think about that just the total volume of inventory that's become available that's tagged that's a big shift in the market space um and ideally we would have loved to have seen all of that stuff get better uh, alongside and sort of drive up the, the location score and the accuracy but one element of that uh inventory that's coming in there's a lot more mobile web that's coming in and just by the nature of it, you know, this is something I'll, you know, sort of credit to the people who are using the mobile web, just by the nature of it, location is harder with with the mobile web context. And so you have to give them, you know, sort of some leeway for, you know, their accuracy would never be as high as application a- accuracy can end up being, sort of no matter how you, you try to, to, to implement that. Um, but we believe that a significant amount of mobile web inventory has come in, its lack of accuracy has some negative pushdown on it and the other thing that we hypothesize is that a lot of new applications are now doing location but they may not be doing it very well. And that's an area where we like, our our instinct is that well if you're a developer and you're doing location uh, and you've decided to put a lot long into your advertising inventory, it's not that hard to do a pretty good job of that. Um, And the only sort of counter to that is if you're an application developer and you're trying to build a game app or you want to build a calendar app or whatever thing you're building, location isn't really necessarily integral to what you're building. And so you really want to make your app great and then the other things happen, right? And so I guess we'll give those people a little bit of a pass, um, but the operating system guys have really made it pretty easy now. And so, you know, our instinct is that applications in particular should be doing a better job at this. And uh, and I think, you know, those kind of two trends we see are sort of probably causing what, what would be a pretty good result uh, to come down uh, uh, in terms of the final results. But the good news for advertisers is you still have An incredible amount more of very good location-tagged inventory to target your advertising to. So it's a pro and a con kind of result in terms
0: of this quarter score. What do you think? What do you think would happen? So you know the numbers that we're talking about. You give a location score, an industry average of fifty-one this quarter. Last quarter is fifty-five, so it's down overall. One of the big things that fell was the hyper local. Uh, ad accuracy fell from forty six percent to thirty seven percent, and everything else was pretty stable. Maybe national came down a bit, but that was the big one that really kind of, hit, you know, hammered the number. Um, and that, as you said, you know, those trends that you were talking about have a lot to do with that. And mobile web, for me, is is the big thing because we see a lot of retail. Uh, uh, retailers and consumers buying from you know uh, mobile web more so than they do in, with apps. Right? People sure. go to the mobile website of retailers as opposed to downloading the apps, unless you're a really 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 tight customer or loyal customer. So, you know, there's that. But this must have been a surprise, though. The drop from 55 to 51, um, and it can either be looked at maybe one of two ways. It's either a, a total surprise or you know, as the number was going up, and and you said, everybody just came and piled on, and there's so much, so many companies offering it, that this is just a natural adjustment. Is that where you guys think it
1: is? I think that our instinct is that, yes, we were disappointed and a little surprised that it went down. Um, We would have thought that it would at least be stable and maybe creep up a little bit, given the total volume of inventory that's come on. Um, But I do believe that you know my instinct is that this will be a one-quarter phenomenon and we'll see it start to go back in the right direction and again one of our goals is you know this is an industry thing that we're doing sure we want think near to be associated with it we want people to understand what we can do for them in that context but we really want the industry as a whole to be more successful at doing location and so if we can get developer awareness to grow uh, mobile web awareness to grow all of those things to become more well-known in terms of you know, how they can implement it and how they can make the results better. That's a plus for everybody across the spectrum. And so, you know, we're really trying to get that message through that it can get better if people focus on it a little bit. It's not that hard to do if you really put some energy into it and you can get a lot better results. Do you,
0: I, I asked you this before we went on camera. I'm going to ask you again just because, uh, you know, I always worry about these things around, um, you know, when we think that we've conquered something, right? Like, so, okay, so two quarters in a row we've gone up okay so now location accuracy is done let's go and you know focus on another thing do you think that it's it it, it could be laziness in the industry do you think it could be greediness in the industry what we, I mean is there other uh, ulterior motives that we're starting to see here or is this you think that this is just one quarter and next quarter will be the the telltale sign so there's there's one theory that we've discussed around the building and, and I'd like to give it
1: less credence but you know there's a there's a, you know, sort of an insidious element to it that, you know, you, you can't ignore, which is if you're a developer today and you want to increase the value of your ad inventory, one thing you can do to increase the value of your ad inventory is add lat-long information to it. And so, you know, sort of I view it as if you're going to do that, then you're it's incumbent upon you to try to do that correctly, right? And it may be that people are saying, gee, I've heard... Uh, Tagged inventory location tagged inventory is selling for more. I'm tagging all my inventory I'll tag it at the US level who cares? I'm still gonna get paid more for it. Hallelujah. I'm happy, right? So think near customers don't get hurt by that kind of mindset But as a whole the industry is clearly not helped by that and quite frankly is hurt by that So I, I, I think that's hopefully a very low percentage of the behavior that we're seeing but at the same time i don't think you can completely discount that as sort of part of what people are thinking about when they tag inventory and it's just and they're doing a really poor job it
0: was the it. first guys that had adsense on their website and 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 clicked it themselves right to generate some income for themselves right yeah, so yeah. that that stuff will eventually disappear from the industry we hope and and that's part of what this number yeah is. well and i
1: think you know, one of the things we're do you know one of the things we do is make sure that we don't use any of that in inventory and so they won't get the uplift for being tagged because we know it's not good inventory. Right. And other people are doing that. And, you know, we expect the industry to move in that direction over time. And so if you're not doing a good job of it, you will ultimately suffer the consequences. Be
0: warned. Consequences, we will be (laughs) suffered. Um, Was there anything else from the report from the location score that that jumped out at you guys that, that people should be aware of or concerned about?
1: I, you know, I, I like to toot the fact that um, when you use location on your campaigns, you can see very clearly that if you have accurate location and you're using it, your campaigns are going to perform better, perform on a click through rate better, and perform on secondary actions better. And so, to me, it's like, uh, you know, if you're if you're doing mobile campaigns and you're not using location. You really are making a mistake in terms of trying to get the. You're you're not getting anywhere near the maximum ROI
0: that you can be getting in your campaigns. And
1: if you're a marketer and you're not doing that, you know you really need to wake up
0: to that. opportunity. Okay. it's it's shocking the fact. Like so, as I've gone through this process of of creating ads for you guys, right? And very friendly. Um, and I've got to sit with your team and learn about what you guys have been doing. Deep dive. Like I know, I think, Nears. I've spent so much time with Ali and with you guys. But but to really hear Ooh. the results that you guys have, it's it's um it's eye opening uh, to begin with. And then I do this podcast with Asif, the CEF, the Location Based Marketing Association, and we see the results of those campaigns that have nothing to do with you guys, but that are location based marketing campaigns, contextual based marketing campaigns. It shocks me when I talk to people who don't embrace it. I I, I don't know what to say to them. They just don't waste your money. Just stop. Don't waste your money. Yeah, just I
1: just think that you know there's there's a a lot of people are spending a lot of money to try to get certain outcomes, and um, you know I'd like them to keep spending the amount of money they're spending. That's, <laughs> that's my Bias, yeah. but I'd love to see them get way better results, right? Um, and so I think that you know I think it's that's there for them to take advantage of, and, and you know we're we're standing by. Phone calls, the uh, uh,
0: lines oh, are open. Wait. All right now uh, um, let's uh, one last question around uh, around this is that as as you guys you're sitting in there a, a very short time like 120 days is not a long time to digest basically gulp down uh, what has been handed to you uh, but is there anything that you that think near is moving towards are you guys I mean you've just opened up in New York is there anything that you guys are are, are looking at with with um, absolute uh, lust I think is the best way to put it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, this is probably something that I would say is something that I've become significantly more knowledgeable about in 120 days and that is uh, previously I understood the context for additional data sources providing value. So you kind of go back to the roots of location based uh, targeting. You did a geofence, it was one mile, it was a half a mile, whatever, and that was what you were calling location uh, efforts, right? And so what I've really come to understand is that location has a couple There's dimensions dimension where you stand when you stand there and what you can market to as it relates to that particular element of it but there's also the, the, the locational component that relates to where you've been and what that tells us about who you are and where you might go, right? And that second one is all about data, collecting data, and using that data in a way that will give you the opportunity to provide consumers a a more relevant and more engaging advertising opportunity. And so um, for me, understanding that component of location and how data plays into that, and how powerful that is in terms of uh, targeting, um, that really has been the thing that's sort of been more eye-opening for me, I think as a newcomer to the, to the industry, and it's an area that we're, you know, continuing to spend. We were putting resources to it before I, I, I took on the role, but we're continuing to spend and quite frankly, I'm put, trying to push more of our resources into figuring out better ways to give our clients access to that data so that they can use it to gain insights, to understand the results of their campaigns. And really, ultimately, you know, at, at some future date, just do a much better do- job of closing the loop so that, you know, when I when I tell somebody, if you run your campaign with these locational components to it, you're going to have better outcomes, be able to prove that to them at the end of the day. And so putting all of those data pieces together, um, it's a challenge. It's not easy to do. There's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of squirrely pieces to the data. That you kind of have to keep your eye open to, but I, I really believe that that's a, that's a challenge that we will you know be fo- focusing on really intently, and I believe it's a challenge that we can uh, that we can take on and solve and give our clients a much better. Outcome. I Always
0: think about that, right? Like, like the ability to, to follow somebody through their day, legitimately with permission, all that kind of stuff that we assume um, is yeah, right.
1: Absolutely. Now. So privacy is a big part of being successful around that. Absolutely.
0: As well. So, having have, adhering to um, you know privacy concern, privacy concern and all that, I just think of it like the missing link, right? Is that is that from 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 ape to human, right? That's what we're fight, we're looking for in this industry right now is that ability to to know that I was just in those four stores, and then I went to the gym, and then I you know I did this. Therefore, when I land in this location obviously, this is what you want. So I'll push you the right message. Right. And and that is to me like missing the missing link. Right. It, it, it is that one piece, the, it's small piece, tiny little piece of DNA, but it's the most important. Yeah. And I think,
1: you know, it's it's clearly the holy grail of the advertiser, which it's why, you know, people gravitated to search so uh, profoundly in the context of I know what you're searching for, so at least you have you care about that in some way, and, I, and I'm going to try to get to that right. And this is the same kind of power. In fact, I would argue a much more powerful sort of indicator of your, you know, interest and potential intent. And so, you know, trying to drag that into an equation and sort of solving that equation for somebody and making, you know, giving them, like I said, it's all about giving the consumer a really relevant and really meaningful user experience you know and, and uh... you know you talk about super bowl ads since the super bowl was just you know uh... two days ago uh... and what you're trying to do in that context you're trying to engage clients and, and you know consumers and get them to understand what it is that you're trying to offer right well you can do that in a, in a much more powerful way on a one-to-one basis uh, given the opportunity and that's and that's really what the, the ultimate goal that we're trying to, to deliver for, for. do you clients? think
0: that they'd think near- you know, I, I'm not sure how I can phrase this question other than um, think near and think near like companies that are bringing location and context and that vision that you had, the missing link, that little piece of DNA that will, will transform advertising and, uh, you know, from where it is right now. Do you think that that kills search? Like, do you think I have this theory that that search is dying uh, and the Web is dying traditional desktop web obviously we know that you know mobile has surpassed uh, you know mobile web has surpassed uh, desktop web but like all of a sudden i don't think that search and the web are relevant anymore because of mobile and apps and what you guys are doing is this too deep a conversation to have with you at this point 120 days in no no I'm intrigued by that. Um, yeah, after 120 days, I'm probably a little bit out of my depth.
1: But I would say I think you're probably a little ahead of the curve, okay. right, Rob. I, I I hear what you're saying, and I think that what, what I would what I would say is it's more like past uh, trends where you have one, you know, you have radio, and then you have television. Radio didn't die. Television came in, and then you had radio and television, right? And then you go to the internet. You have radio, television. So I think you're talking about sort of the same kind of context here where you have search, you know, you had organized directories first, then you have search. And now you're seeing these other types of experiences that will definitely start to siphon away from search, some of the things. And some of it will still be searched, but you won't think it's searched because after all, if you ask your phone for something and it speaks back to you, it's not the same as getting a bunch of links and sorting through it, right? But I think all of those things will be behaviors that consumers will want to engage in. I mean, you know, I go to the internet still every day and go eight to 10 links on something to try to understand a part of, you know, what it is that I'm looking for. If I lost that capability, I'd be like, that's really bad you know so so i think you know i think that all of those behaviors will behaviors that we'll have but um but i do think that um there will be the potential to in some context anyway deliver a much
0: better experience than what a search experience can give you that's a good answer that's a good answer that's a good answer i i still think search is dead but it's okay i actually I mean traditionally, <laughs> like typing in like it just seems archaic right because you've got all these sensors around and you've got the ability to 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 be to be given information that is relevant to you at that point in time but yeah I I see that trend I noticed you didn't bring newspapers in there because you know those guys have just fallen off the cliff I, I thought
1: about it, but I, uh,
0: yeah yeah no, so I'll check back with you in 4 or 5 years and see how the search gets okay goes that's, All right, uh, Lauren, I've occupied enough of your time for today. I I am uh, hopefully hopeful that that you can now be my repeat guest. I've had Eli on a bunch of times uh, when he ran ThinkNear. So now it's your turn. He's passing the torch over to you. I'm passing the torch over to you. I expect every quarter that you and I have this conversation around what is going on with the location score and what is going on with ThinkNear. Is that cool? I'd be delighted to do
1: that, as you know, and, and we're delighted to sponsor you, as you know. You, you do a great job. And believe me, I, I don't just tune into the things that I'm involved in or the Thinknear's involved in. I watch a lot of your stuff because it's part of the learning process when you're only 120 right. days I'm in. I'm glad so to help. You, you I'm do. glad to help. You're helping. Uh, all right. So
0: we should send people right. to, uh, where should we send? Uh, uh, thinknear.com, uh, locationscore.com. <laughs> Yes, you got them both right there. Okay, so go and check them out. Location Score is something that you can download for free. Uh, it, it you know bring that in with you when you are looking uh, to try to validate the uh, what you're doing in the location ad space. Take
1: it. Take it to the next meeting. You're going to talk where you're going to talk about how you're going to use your mobile uh, advertising because it should inform the way you think about your campaigns. And that's really you know in, in addition to the industry effects that we're trying to have an impact on people. You can also use it in your day-to-day way of thinking about how you're going to drive your campaigns to the highest level of success. And that's true whether you're using Thinknear or some of the other vendors that are doing some of the same things. It's still the right way to think about what you're doing. It's definitely the best way to get the most bang for your buck. Good
0: spark for conversation. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Lauren. I really appreciate your time. We've been speaking with Lauren Hilberg, who's the president and GM of Thinknear by TeleNav. Go to thinknear.com or locationscore.com. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for tuning in. Great. Thank you.